Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I don't know about you, but I want to live in the overflow of God's goodness. Like, I don't want to just live with God's goodness in my life. I want to live in the over so that God's goodness, it fills me and then it begins to overflow out of me and onto everybody that I'm around. I want to live in the overflow of God's goodness and mercy. Remember David said in Psalm 23 verse six, he said, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I want to live in the overflow of God's favor and blessing. The overflow. Philippians 4.23, it says, May every one of you overflow with the grace and favor of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live in the overflow of God's riches and glory. And Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all of your needs. Yeah, one amen for that, but I think that deserves like 1,700 amens. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What I want you to understand is that not only... Do I want to live in God's overflow? And not only do I want you to live in God's overflow, God wants you to live in his overflow. And we serve a God of overflow. That's the God we serve. He's a God of overflow. And when you serve God faithfully, say that word faithfully, faithfully. When you serve God Faithfully, not unfaithfully, when you serve him faithfully, he, he doesn't just give you enough. He gives you more than enough. In fact, one of the Hebrew names for God is El Shaddai. Maybe you've heard that. El Shaddai means more than enough. That's what it means. Else should die more than enough. God is more than enough. God provides more than enough. El Shaddai was first used in Genesis 17. Remember the story of Abraham? And God said to Abraham, El Shaddai said to Abraham, He said, If you are faithful, if you are faithful, Abraham, I will make your life fruitful. I will make you the father of many nations and nations will be named after you and your descendants will be blessed. In fact, your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. Your bloodline will be so blessed 
that the Savior of the world will come from you. Overflow. Overflow. God wants to be El Shaddai to you today. So will you follow him faithfully? Will you follow him faithfully? Because if you do, he is the God of more than enough. El Shaddai, the God of overflow, God of overflow, El Shaddai. Do you remember the story in Matthew 14, Jesus fed the 5,000 and it says 5,000 men plus women plus children. And he feeds all of these people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And the Bible says not only was everyone fed, but they had 12 baskets filled with leftovers. Overflow. El Shaddai. That's the God we serve. I don't know if you've experienced that God yet, but that's the God we serve. El Shaddai. Do you remember another time? Peter. Peter had been out fishing all night long and caught nothing. He had worked and worked and worked and worked only to come up short. He catches nothing until Jesus gets in the boat. And Jesus says, Peter, let's push out again and go fishing. And Peter's like, Jesus, I've been fishing all night long and caught nothing. But I love his response. He says, but if you say so, Jesus, come on, somebody. But if you say so, Jesus, I will do it. I've already tried. But if you're telling me to do it, Jesus, I will do it. And they pushed out and they let their nets down and they caught so many fish that their nets began to break. They caught so many fish that they had to call another boat in to help out. Overflow. I want to live in God's overflow. Will you let Jesus in your boat? Will you do what Jesus asks you to do? Will you live a, if you say so, Jesus type of life? Overflow. Impact Church is experiencing overflow. We are experienced. We are living in the overflow. And I've been saying it for weeks, but there is a river of revival flowing through the middle of Impact Church. There is a river of revival and it is over. God's anointing is overflowing within this church. God's grace is overflowing. God's favor God's mercy, God's power, God's, God's love is overflowing. So my prayer is, God, let it flow. Let it flow onto everybody in this room today. Let it flow onto everybody watching from around the world online today. God, let it flow. Look at somebody and tell them God is going to let it flow in your life. Come on, God is going to let it flow. Look at somebody and tell them, you better be ready for the overflow. You better be ready for the overflow. God, we pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, that you would fill us.
full to overflow. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen, amen, amen. amen. I want to preach today on living in the overflow, not experiencing the overflow, but living in the overflow. I want to preach from a text that I mentioned briefly last week from Luke chapter five. And I'm starting in verse 17. It says one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were sitting there and they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before Jesus, to lay him before Jesus. Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them and he took what he had been lying on and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Does anybody want to see remarkable things today? Because I do. Because I do. I love this story. And I really want to give you three takeaways from this story today. Really three prayers that I think we should make a part of our life. Number one is this. Prayer number one is God let me overflow with your power. Power. Somebody say power. 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 God, let me overflow with your power. I want God's power in my life. I want God's power in my marriage. I want God's power in my mind, in my emotions, in my family. I want God's power in my church, in our church. God's power, not just to rest in it, but to live in it. God, let me overflow with power. Uh, Imagine this scene. Jesus is teaching and the place is slam packed. A lot like Impact Church. It's standing room only. There are no seats anywhere. There's no space anywhere. They cannot get their friend inside in front of Jesus. It's, it's too crowded. The parking lot is jam packed full of Camelacs. I mean, there is no, there is no room. There is no room. It is overflowing with people. It's overflowing with expectation. I have a question. Do you come to church expecting God to do something in your life? Because that is the posture of your heart. When you are going to go to church service, God, I come expecting, I come expecting it's overflowing 
with expectation, with, with power. Everybody's there. It says from every village, people came from Galilee, Judea. They came from Jerusalem. And in verse 17, it says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Power. God's power. Listen, this is y'all maybe not get this, but I'm praying that you get this. My prayer for you is not to go to church. I'm not here to sing Kumbaya and preach a feel good message to you. I am here because I want God's power to light you up, to lay you out, to destroy you, that you leave chains, that you will never be the same again. I want God's power. I've experienced the overflow of God's power in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my emotions. God's power to deliver you immediately from addiction. God's power to set you free from depression and anxiety and fear and guilt and shame. God's power to change your life. I think it's such an interesting passage because it says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there. You know why that's interesting to me? Because they didn't even like Jesus. Why were they there? You ever had a house party and somebody showed up and you're like, they don't even like me. Why are they here? They got a reason. They got a reason. And I read that and I'm like, it says one day Jesus is teaching in the Pharisees. The religious leaders, the teachers of the law, they were sitting there. They had come from every nearby village to see Jesus, to hear Jesus. This is interesting to me because they don't even like Jesus. In fact, they were completely against Jesus. The reason they were against Jesus was because the Pharisees saw Jesus as a threat to their own agenda, to their own religious and political power. In fact, Jesus repeatedly rebuked the Pharisees. Repeatedly. There's an entire chapter, Matthew 23. It's called the woe chapter. W-O-E. Woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He says, you're hypocrites. He says, your cup, it's clean on the outside, but on the inside, it's dirty. He he said, you hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of death and decay and everything unclean. You hypocrites. 
so I just think it's interesting they're there. And hypocrites in Jesus' day didn't really have the same vibe that it has with you and I today. Because the word hypocrite during Jesus' time was a common word used all the time in Greek theater. And it meant a stage actor. So you would say like, yo, man, who's your favorite hypocrite? You know, we got the Academy Awards. They win an Emmy. Like, maybe they had the annual hypocrite awards. You win the award for the hypocrite of the year. I wonder if we did that right now, which one of us would be the hypocrite of the year. I I think it might be me. Because the reality is we're all hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. You didn't amen that one very loud, but you're all, we all hypocrite. It's like the church, the the guy said, I want to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. Come on, man. What's one more? Join us, man. We're all a mess. We are all a mess. We all, we all look at somebody and tell them you got issues. He's right. I have never heard you guys turn and tell your neighbor anything ever with so much passion. (laughs) You're a stage actor, dude. You, you're putting on a front. You're not just an actor. You're a stage actor. Like I'm on stage. Look at me act. Look at, I'm putting on a show. You're not the real deal, man. You're fronting. You're doing it for people to see. That's what Jesus said. Everything you do is for people to see. You only pray so people will see. You you lift up your hands and worship, but you're not worshiping me. You're doing that to look spiritual. You're doing that to look religious. You only help people to be seen. You only give. I know a lot of people that want to give to be seen. I'll give a substantial amount of money if my name can be on the building. If I can get a trophy, if I can get an award, something that says, yes, you're a giver. And Jesus said, That's a hypocrite. Pharisee. You know that saying? How many of you know that saying? Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah? How many of your parents used that on you before? Let me me see. Do as I say, not as I do. Jesus used this and said this about the Pharisees. Look at Matthew 23, 3. I put this one in there. He said, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So it's interesting to me. These guys are at Jesus. They're hanging out. Why? I mean, maybe it's so they could criticize him. Maybe it's so they could keep their eyes on this man. Because one thing I do know is nobody watches you as closely as your haters. (laughs) 
But I think the Pharisees were there for more than that. I do. I think they were there because of verse 17. Because the power of the Lord was there. El Shaddai's power to heal was there. El Shaddai's power to set people free was there. El Shaddai's power to save was there. See, it's not that people don't like you. It's that you're a threat to their way of life. Because God's power is in you. You're a threat to their status quo. Hey, listen, don't get too close around me if you want status quo. Because I'll drive you crazy. I will drive you absolutely crazy. Because I do not, I do not, and I will not, and I refuse to live a status quo lifestyle. If you don't, listen, it's not that you're judging them because you're not. You see, when people are convicted around you because of the power of God within you, they go, stop judging me. I'm not judging you. You just can't handle the conviction of God. You can't, you can't handle it. You're convicted because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the saying that the Jesus inside of you irritates the devils inside of them. That's what's going on is that God's heavenly anointing on your life annoys the hell out of them. And so God's joy, listen, this is a fact. God's joy inside of you, it bothers the anger inside of them. God's love inside of you bothers the hate inside of them. The selflessness of your heart bothers their cynical heart. The faith and hope and belief inside of you messes with their negativity, doubt, and disbelief. But because you're a man of God, because you're a woman of God, the power of the Lord is with you. And make no mistake about it, everyone, and I mean everyone, is attracted to real power. Everyone is attracted to true love. Everyone is attracted to real power, true kindness, true selflessness. And so this is one of the prayers for my life is God, let me overflow in your power, explosive power. I love what Pastor Roosevelt said two weekends ago about our church name, Impact Church. He said, you can't have impact without power. I feel that. That's good right there. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, but ye shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Power. What are you afraid of the Holy Spirit for? The Holy Spirit is God and he empowers you. In, in Acts 1.8, he says, you shall receive power. In fact, the word power in the Greek is dunamis. Dunamis. D-U-N. I don't know how you spell the rest. Dunamis. <laughs> dunamis power is where we get our English word dynamite. Explosive power. Power that's not able to be contained inside of me. It's so much power that it's going to explode and it's going to fly all over you. God's dunamis explosive power. It's used 117 times in the New Testament. Dunamis power. In Mark 5, when Jesus delivered the demon possessed because of his dunamis power. When he raised the dead child back to life, dunamis power. When he cured and healed the woman of a blood disease of 12 years, the Bible says she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, I felt power, dunamis power, leave my body. That's my prayer for you is power. I, I don't, I'm not praying a program. I'm not praying a, a, even a process. I want God's power in your life. The second prayer that I want you to pray is God, let me overflow in generosity. I knew there'd be no amens for that one, but I'm going <laughs> to, y'all want the power, but you don't want to give anything away. I said, God's power. Amen. Amen. Preach. God is good. Preach that brother. I need some power. <laughs> Overflowing generosity crickets. Because power is about getting and generosity is about giving. It's telling of the world that we live in today. But my prayer is that my people, the people of God of Impact Church across the globe, are the most generous people in the world. God let us overflow in general. Not, I'm going to be generous this one time. That we overflow in it. We overflow. Those, those men had a generous heart. Those men knew that Jesus was the answer. Jesus held the power to heal, to set free, to deliver. And they didn't keep that to themselves. They were selfless, compassionate, generous. Listen, hear me. If you want overflow in the harvest that you reap, 
then you must over sow the seeds that you plant. If you want overflow, you got to over sow. Tell somebody that right now. If you want overflow, you've got to over sow. The harvest that you reap in your life, the harvest that you reap is determined by the seeds that you keep. Because everybody wants God to be generous with them. But you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. If you think you're blessed to be blessed, that blessing will turn into a curse. You are blessed to be a blessing that I am to sow generously. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If you want to overflow in God's blessing, you need to make sure God's blessing flows in you and right back out of you. The overflow. The overflow. Luke, Jesus said it this way in Luke 6. He said, give and it will be given to you. Let's say that phrase out loud. Give and it will be given to you. He did not say keep. Keep and it will be given to you. Hoard and it will be given to you. Stockpile and it will be given to you. Not what he said. He said give. Give and it will be given to you. You, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, overflow, pouring into your lap. And he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Given, it will be given, running over, overflowing. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan, there's a Jewish man on a trip to Jericho. And as he's walking some thieves, they jumped him and he was attacked and they stripped him of his clothes and they stole all of his money and they beat him up so badly they left him half dead on the side of the street. And Jesus said, a Jewish, a Jewish rabbi comes walking by, sees the man laying there, And looks him off and keeps walking. You know what look off means? Yes or no? You look somebody off. You're on my basketball team. I'm driving down the court. I'm point guard. I see you. You're wide open. I'm wide open. I see you. But I don't, I don't think you can finish. I don't think you got what it takes. So I'm going to look you off. Right? 
You look somebody, you know you got what it takes. You're not the issue. I was the issue. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. When you look somebody off, this man is a Jewish church leader. Let's just take the word Jewish out. This man is a church leader. And he sees the man, but ignores him. A second church leader comes by. He also sees the man and ignores him. And then the Bible says, the good Samaritan comes along, cleans him up, bandages up, puts him on his own donkey and takes him to the hotel. And he pays for the hotel himself. And not only does he pay for the hotel, he pays somebody to take care of this man. But you know, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is Jesus said, now you go and do likewise. Stop looking the hurting off. Stop overlooking the brokenhearted. Stop overlooking the people who are lost in life. Go and do likewise. There are broken people all around us. Beat up, bruised up, stripped of their joy, of their purpose. And most of the world, yes, even the church world, just walks on by. And this Resurrection Sunday of 2024, this is a good opportunity for you to be a good Samaritan. This is a good opportunity because I don't know if you've noticed, but our city, our state, and our nation, they are broken. This place is broken. It is bruised up. It is beaten down. And it needs us to rise up, impact church, and be good Samaritans. And we have an opportunity to give, to give, and to give generously. I, listen, number three. I'm trying something new. I'm trying to stick to my notes. God, let me overflow with a heart for the hurting. Do you care? But do you care enough to do something about it? Because I think everybody kind of cares. But do you care enough? Do you have enough compassion? Do you have enough empathy? Enough sympathy? Do you have enough in you that cares? That you desperately care for those who are in desperate times? To actually do something about it. God, give me a heart for the lost. God, give me a heart for the broken. God, give me a heart for the hopeless. It says, some men came carrying, I love this, a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus when they could not find a way. They gave up. I almost titled my sermon, Find a Way. 
because it says when they could not find a way, they eventually found a way. They eventually found a way. Man, we got a problem. Dude, this place is packed. Impact Church, we got the same problem. This place is packed. I, I want you just to get, put your head on a swivel for a minute and look around the room. Look around the room just for a minute. This service is full. Last service was full. Next service will be full. Next service, we are going to baptize 81 people. Next service. Next service. 81 again. We have baptisms every month. We have baptisms every month. And every month, it seems to be between 80 and 120. They get baptized every single month. Yeah, we renovated, moved into this building three years ago. I thought it would last at least the rest of my ministry lifetime. We outgrew it in one year. We got a problem. You know what the problem is? Look at somebody and tell them, you're the problem. You're the problem. That's the problem. It's a good problem to have. Tell them, you're worth it though. You're worth my problems. You're worth it. You're worth it. Well, most of you. Okay, some of you. You're worth it. So, we got to find a way. Yeah, thank you for 18 of you that are with me on this. In a room full of 1,700, 18, let's go. Jesus only needed 12, so I guess 18, let's go. Let's go. So we got to find a way. And everybody can be an armchair pastor. I know what we should do. (laughs) I've been doing this for 30 years. It's all I know. I've been a part of not one, but two insanely explosive growing churches. Two. I actually don't have a friend in the world that's been a part of two. And I have very few friends that have been a part of one. I have been a part of two. One for 12 years and this one now for 13 years. This, this is a problem. But we will find a way. We will find a way. Do you really think, I'm just asking out of the goodness of your heart, out of the good Samaritans that you are, do you think, I bet Pastor Trav can't wait to preach the exact same message three times in a row with the same amount of passion and the same amount of energy because he doesn't want to give third service his leftovers. He wants them to be in the overflow too. Do you really think I want to, do you think I want to add a fourth? Well, guess what? We're going to, because we will find a way. We will find a way. We will find a way. For, for Resurrection Sunday 2024. Oh, why are we, why, what do you mean why are we renting out a stadium? <laughs> Last Easter, we had 19,000 people here. Over nine services, I preached all nine, four and a half months after having a brain aneurysm 
and a stroke. God is good. If we, if, if we were going to do resurrection Sunday, if we were going to do that here this year, we'd have to have minimum 12 services minimum. And guess where everybody goes to church on Easter? They always go to the middle service. It's like people that don't know Jesus, they've got to go to the middle service. So we're running a stadium. So what? Let's freaking do this thing. Like, let's light the world on fire. I, we are going to find a way because we have a heart for the hurting. Because we have a heart that's desperate for the desperate. God, give me a heart that hurts, that beats so passionately that it forces me into action. Some men came. Look at somebody and say, he's about to go off right now. Go ahead, tell him. This is... Mark chapter 2 says four men. I don't want to focus on the number. I want to focus on the men. 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 Four men of God. Some men came carrying their friend. Some men stood in the gap for their friend to do something for him that he couldn't do for himself. I believe that one of the reasons our world is so broken today is because of the lack of men of God being men of God. Where, where are the men of God in 2024? Where are the four men In this story today, where are the men of God? Where are they? Men have stopped chasing God. Men. Our world has a man problem. Men have stopped chasing God. Men have stopped fearing God. Men have stopped revering God. Men have stopped leading their families spiritually. Men have neglected their responsibilities of being godly husbands and fathers. Men have, men don't know how to pray. They can't even pray over their food. Men, where are the men? You tell me, where are the men who know how to worship God? Who know how to study the scriptures of God Almighty? Who know how to worship God? Who know how to praise God? Who know how to throw their hands up in the air and worship their creator and not act all sophisticated and dignified and mighty and important in Scottsdale and Paradise Valley type people? Where are the men? The men of God. 
who are passionate about their Savior, the men of God who want to change the world, the men of God who want to be a leader to their wife, who want to be a leader to their babies, to their children. Where are the men of God? Men of God. We have a men problem. God-fearing men. You don't have to go tell somebody, you're weird, you're living wrong, you're whatever, you're way... No, you just need to be a freaking man of God and start living with the conviction. We have a men, um, a God-fearing men problem. That's That's what our culture, that's the broken part of our culture. Even at Impact Church, there is a revival this is revival. But even, even in our church, the women who are truly digging into God and his word, even in our church, and our church is on fire, the women far outnumber the men. That's not, that's not actually a good thing. I'm I'm proud of you women, but that's actually not a good thing. Never is. When you remove men of God from any culture, it's over. We have women's and men's Bible studies every week. Every week. They're going to happen again this week. Last week. We had 450 women and 150 men. Where are the men of God that are gonna change this world? Where are the men of God that have a heart for the hurting, a heart for the broken, a heart for the lost? Where are the men of God who are into something other than themselves? Where are the men of God who are into something other than chasing money? They don't wanna chase money. They wanna chase their master. They don't wanna chase money. They don't wanna chase power. They don't want to chase success. What even is success? I think success is a man who would die for Jesus Christ and die for everybody on this planet trying to win them to Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that it actually moves you into action. Because the Bible says faith without action is dead. There's a lot of dead. There's a lot of dead faith. It's good. You believe it. You just don't do it. I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking everybody, but I'm asking you men. You're going to help. You're going to help pay for this Easter resurrection. I'm asking the men. Are you going to help? Are you going to give? I'm asking the men. Are you going to help fill that plate? Men, are you going to invite your neighbors? Are you going to invite your coworkers? Are you going to invite your team? Are you going to invite your family? Men, I'm talking to you. People are broken, man. Do you even notice? 
People are broken. The world is broken. Beat up, beat down, discouraged, lost, purposes. Our world is like that man, spiritually paralyzed, numb to the things of God. And it needs you to bring them to the feet of Jesus. It needs you. The world needs you. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was 22 years ago. And I was um, about to start ministry as a pro athlete sports chaplain. And I remember... I was about to walk into this locker room of pro athlete celebrities and I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I was terrified. I was terrified. I knew as soon as I walked, I knew I'd be starstruck. There were stars. I knew that I would be like, this isn't my locker room. So that's a little awkward. There's gonna be some strange person in our locker room. And I remember I, w- I, w- I was terrified. One of the best, one of the greatest pieces of advice I've I've ever been given was a mentor of mine who had been in pro sports ministry for like 30 years. Great man of God. He since went to be with the Lord. But he stood outside of that locker room with me and he said, Travis, before you go in there, I want to tell you something. He said, behind every face, there's a drama unfolding. And I'm telling you, that changed me. It changed me. It changed the way I preach. It changed the way I prepare for what I'm going to preach. I'm not here to tickle ears. I'm not here to say cute little sayings that rhyme or don't rhyme. I'm not here for that. I'm here because behind every face, there's a drama unfolding. And God's got the answer. His word has the answer. Those four men, if they could just get their friend in front of Jesus, if they could just get him into the presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus would change him forever. They didn't stop with, well, the crowd's too big. They, they didn't stop with, well, this is, this is, this is such an inconvenience. Nah, they didn't stop. It says when they could not find a way, they kept trying. And they were faithful. They were selfless. They were committed. They were determined. They weren't going to let this moment go by without getting their friend in the presence of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you. Do not let this moment go by without helping me get people into the presence of Jesus Christ on March 31st, 2024. They went up to the top of the roof. They carried that brother up and they dug a hole. Are you kidding me? In the roof and lowered him down right in front of Jesus. And watch this. This is my favorite part. Verse 20, it says, when Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw the faith of those men of God. 
when Jesus saw their faith, not the, not the paralyzed man's faith, when Jesus saw their faith, that man experienced a miracle because of their faith, which means because of your faith. Does anybody have faith? Because of your faith. Because of your faith. Because of your faith. Because of your faith. And so as we close today, I really just want to give you two, two action steps. And I want you to write these down, but I want you to act on them. Number one is to invest. I use the word invest because the Bible uses the word invest. Most of us think of investing like, oh yeah, if I give some sort of money into this, hopefully I'll get a return even more than that. That's worldly investing. But the Bible talks about eternal investing. I want to read to you this scripture of investing into the kingdom of God. The word it says in 1 Timothy 6, tell those who are rich not to be proud and to put their trust in money, which will soon be gone, but their pride and their trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. This is the part. This is the part. Verse 19. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Invest in eternity. Listen, Impact Church, I cannot emphasize this enough. Invest. Sow seeds into the kingdom of God. Eternal investment. Listen, if you're online, you need to invest. If this is your church, you need to be invested, partnering. With the church of God, the family. I, I just want to, last week I was so impressed that on day one, without any notice, on day one, that our church gave $120,000 toward Resurrection Sunday. Impressive. Very impressive. But then I asked my accounting team and I said, I have a question. How many people? gave that totaled to that $120,000 because last week we had just shy of 10,000 people in attendance. So last weekend, 529 people, 529, 529. So I need another 9,500 of you today to stop looking God off on this deal. Imagine what would happen if 9,500 more people are like, we need a new building, a bigger building. No freaking duh. Also, we live in Scottsdale. Huh? I just met a friend who lives in Texas, bought 54 acres. Yeah, Texas. 54 acres of church property for $4 million. In Scottsdale. And the thing is, is in Scottsdale, 20 acres will be 30 million. 
But here's the thing is like, it wouldn't matter if we all did our part. It would not matter. The ability and the wherewithal inside of this church, we could raise $30 million in a day if, but it'll never happen. It's literally never happened in the history of happen. Never. So I'm asking you to give and invest in eternity. The second thing, write this down, is to invite. Invite. Do not show up to that stadium without inviting and bringing friends. That's not about, Easter's not about you. It's about winning all your friends and your family members to Jesus Christ. Resurrection Sunday is not about you. It's about you investing and inviting. And there's something, listen to me, there's something about a stadium and salvations. There is. There's something about a stadium and salvations. I don't know if you ever watched those old Billy Graham crusades. There's something about a stadium. And I'm praying the spirit of Billy Graham on me that day. I said, there's something about a stadium and salvation. We're going to actually do an altar call where you come down to the front to give your life to Jesus Christ on March 31st. And I'm believing God for thousands and thousands of people to say, I'm in today. I'm in today. And I want to serve Jesus Christ. Please invest and invite. And I know we already took the offering, but the good news is you could just jump online and you could do it again right now. God will reward you for being faithful. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you, God, that you're a God of overflow. God, we want to live in your overflow. Thank you for challenging us and charging us with the great commission. God, that we have a responsibility. This is our church, the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. God, we're going to find a way. We're going to find a way. God, you bring the increase, but we, we keep figuring out ways to steward faithfully. God, I pray that you'd bless those who sow faithfully. I pray you'd just blow their socks off with blessing. I pray you'd pour out so much blessing onto their lives. It's going to be flowing, overflowing into their lap. Good measure, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you don't know Jesus yourself. Maybe today you're not a Christian yet. Well, today I want to invite you into the family of God. All you've got to do is say, Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Lord, as my Savior. I want to become a Christian today. Thank you for the cross. Fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me. God, let my life overflow in the power of God. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. amen. God bless you, Impact Church. I'm so glad that you came today. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.